0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Code
1: of Conduct. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a, king. I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. Yeah. king. God made me punch in accurate numbers. Yeah. My castle won't crumble. Nah. What I tackle will fumble. Yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet up. up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Yeah. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. The I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single Now I need on. all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? What? Well, collide. moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler I feel like Mansa Musa, Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle, I'm a king, the closest things to being one of God's angels yeah. I'm a king, heavy is the head that wears the crown, crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found, work. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing Damn. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a, king. I'm a king, look me in my eyes cause I'm a king, I'm a king.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct for the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spence the King, and I am excited because I have a super special guest. I have the one, the only, I have the man, the myth, the legend himself, the podfather is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Joe Marino
3: is joining me. What is going on, Joe? Jay Spence the King, what's up, dude? Good to be on with you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, probably little overdue that you and I got together to do something like this. So glad to be on with you tonight.
2: Yeah, you know what, now that I think about it, it really has. Because typically I feel like I would have asked you. Um, but it just seems like, I don't, I don't know, I feel like um, we, we interact enough to where I kind of guess I feel like I know what's going on. But then um, a couple weeks back, somebody, I, I said, well, who would you like to see, you know, come on the Code of Conduct? And like, I got a few responses, like hit, hit Joe Marino up, hit Joe. So I'm like, why haven't I had Joe on? So let's do this. Yeah, here we are, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, what's going on with you, man? I know you, have some, um, you had some some big news recently for everybody. Can you kind of fill us in and kind of, you know, what's going on in your professional world?
3: Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, basically, the big news is that I resigned my position at the Draft Network, and obviously, so much fun there and so much uh, to be proud of what we were able to do since we launched in August of 2018. But that chapter's closed now. Uh, excited to move on, and really put more time into what I'm doing with Locked On Bills. We've taken the Draft Dudes podcast and kind of rebranded it as the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, where we get to really focus in on team building across the entire NFL. And if there's two things that I'm passionate about, it's the Buffalo Bills and it's team building in the NFL. And so being able to spend my days focusing solely on those two things has been really fun. And I'm obviously obviously still dialed in on draft stuff. I've been working Mm -hmm. on this draft class since – last May. And that'll never leave me, but I'm not going to lie. I, I, I have uh, enjoyed not waking up in the morning and watching <laughs> seventh round tight ends from, you know, fill in the blank school from wherever in the country and really focusing a lot more in on uh, things that I'm truly passionate about the bills team building. And, and it's been really cool. So between that uh, writing books is, is become a new thing that I've, I've been doing. Uh, I think I have put out two in the last year. That's kind of crazy, right? Uh, We did Go Bills, which is the entire history of the team, and then uh, Buffalo's Run, where I wrote a book about literally the 2022 Buffalo Bills, and while that season didn't quite end how we hoped, it was obviously a storybook season for so many different reasons, all the adversity, and so it was a pretty cool story to tell there as well, and starting to think about some next projects and that type of stuff, so transitioning a little bit, but still fully, uh, fully in in this space and talking Bills, talking football, and uh seeing where my portfolio expands to next.
2: Yeah, no that's awesome man and um I know I said it publicly but I'll say it again here on the show. Like, you know, you there's a handful of of guys and and you are absolutely in that that group of the guys that I'm going to talk about here. But, you know, you guys are like the the trailblazers for for a bunch of us in this industry that want to do podcasting or want to do content and all that stuff. So um man I, I'm rooting for you. Keep doing it, man. Like you give me things to keep reaching for. It seems like every year you do something else and I'm like, okay, I got to <laughs> I, I got to figure something out to do here.
3: You know, I think that's what it comes down to, man. Is just always be evolving, always be willing to mm-hmm. To challenge what you're doing, and and obviously I want to be in this space, right? That's yeah. the, being in this space was the fulfillment of a dream come true, and spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that. And as I'm here, I, I want to continue to be mindful of what I need to do to make sure that my shelf life here is as long as possible. Because <laughs> my guy Jay Spence, I don't want to go back to work. You know, I like doing this, um, so, and so we're gonna keep evolving and keep challenging and, and sh- stretching myself. I got into this thing because I like to write about football. I thought I was just going to write articles. Well, guess what? (laughs) That ain't going to be enough. So I had to learn how to podcast and learn how to do some video stuff. And, you know, I'm willing to adapt and and evolve. And it's been really, really cool and excited to see where it takes me. You never know what email I'm going to get tomorrow that presents a new opportunity. And that's kind of what's happened along the way. It's been really fun. And I, I appreciate the kind words there. and uh, really in, enjoy this community, right? This is an awesome community of people in this bill space, right? That that mm-hmm. create this content and feels like everybody's pretty tight. Feels like everyone's friends. I don't have any beef with anybody. It's been really cool to uh, to see this grow and and be a part of it and get a chance to you know spend an evening with someone like yourself. This is really cool.
2: Yeah, no, it is. And, and one of the things that um, you said there that I can agree with 100% on is that the community is so tight. And it's, it's just a tight group of guys and, um, and, and, and ladies as well. I don't want to exclude ladies. But when I started, it was pretty much a handful of guys that really took me and was like, hey, uh, this is how you do it. Or this is the area or this is the space or this is that. And you're one of those guys, like I said, man, you, you, um, anytime I've reached out for help or questioning or anything, you've always been there for me and I appreciate it. Like, honestly, I'm in the same boat as you, except I'm not full of time on it yet. I'm trying to get there, but you actually told me kind of what steps to take or what things to focus on if I wanted to get to where I'm going. And I- I'll tell you, after talking to you about that, a lot has changed for me. So, you sure. know, again, thank you. But, uh, Let's get to the reason why I actually don't want to show, man. Everybody wanted you to get on here and talk some draft and talk some Bills stuff, and it's a perfect day to do that because we, um, the Buffalo Bills, reported back for OTAs this week, and they were, um, you know, we had we heard from Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen. So uh, let's let's kind of start off with that. Let's talk a little bit about your takeaway. Um, or takeaways from the pressers today. I would like to start with the Brandon Bean one. We can talk, we can get to Josh Allen in a bit there, because I think there are some nuggets that you can kind of pull from what he was saying. But as far as Brandon Bean, um, what initially, just what are your takeaways from from his presser today?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, what do you speak for 25 minutes, something like that? Uh, and so, what I, I want to focus in on here is what was my prevailing thought? What's that number one thing that stood out to me? And I'll tell you what it is for me. It's what he said about defensive tackles. And he mm-hmm. was asked straight up, like, "Is there a position group where you feel like there's just not enough there long term?" And he he kind of he kind of turtled up. He kind of tucked his tail between his legs and said, "Yeah, it's defensive tackle. Everybody's up, right? Daquan Jones, Ed, they're expiring contract. Everyone's on an expiring contract." And so mm-hmm. I think about the, what he said there and. Obviously we know he believes in the defensive line. Um, and so it kind of nudged me in a direction of really kind of thinking that could be where he goes with that first round pick, especially because I think there's going to be some players there that he's going to like, and there's going to be potentially some good value, whether that's Brian Brzee from Clemson or Mozzie Smith from Michigan. I think those types of guys could be around for him. I'm I'm sure he's going to love Keanu Benton from Wisconsin as well. Uh, So that really stood out. Um, he was pretty candid about, Hey, we've got less first round grades than we did last year. Right. And, and we knew mm-hmm. that at least he told us that Kyrie Elam was the last first round grade, which inspired them to move up a little bit. And he talked about, well, he wouldn't really consider that until around pick 20 and he'll have to just kind of evaluate the board and see what's cleaned out. What's not cleaned out. Um, and what'd he say? If I was in Vegas, I would bet that we'd be more likely to move back uh, than up. But he also said, Hey, I get a little antsy sometimes. And, um, you know, kind of feel that urgency to move up the board, which we've obviously seen happen a number of times throughout his tenure running the Bills draft. So those things really stood out to me. Um, I thought he was pretty, pretty honest about um, not wanting to give up future first round picks. That was something he was pretty candid about. Also not wanting to give up any Friday picks, day two picks. And he said, mm-hmm. if they're going to trade picks, they want it to be more of those day three picks because he believes that, Hey, he can get those picks back with end of training camp type deals, which he's done quite a bit of kind of trading some players that he thought he might cut. And so he was saying out loud, a lot of the things that we've always thought about Brandon Bean. And so it was kind of, kind of nice to get some of that affirmation. Cause I mean, I listen to every word the man says that I can, right. And so i it, it's nice to kind of be able to connect some of those dots. And so, when I think about the prevailing thoughts that I had from listening to Brandon Bean, that's what was on my mind.
2: And so you actually made mention of something that I was going to ask you about directly. It it does sound like to me that he is kind of leaning towards, and obviously he doesn't show his hand too much of anything, but just based on how we listen to Brandon Bean, because like you said, he doesn't show his hand often, but we get enough from him to kind of know what he's thinking. And to me, it almost, to me, it almost feels like, I would look forward to moving back, you know, um, because there aren't many um, first round grades that he said. And with where we're drafting, I just have a hard time believing that one of their top guys um, are going to fall to where Mm -hmm. we're picking. So I I, I guess for me, I'm almost at the point where I'm saying like, well, so can I just look forward to the Bills drafting back? And I know we don't know that for sure, but I mean, that's just the feeling that I get after listening to, to Brandon speak today.
3: Yeah, I tend to agree with you, and and I think about my own processing of the draft and who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. And I'm at this point where there are so many different players that I'd be like, yeah, that works. That's a good pick. I'd be happy with that. You know what I mean? Like, there's such a long list of those guys that it only makes sense to, all right, well, move back, right? <laughs> unless yeah. unless there's one of those guys you just have to get, right, that they're, they're just, wow, that guy shouldn't be there. We should pick him. I think you really do think about moving back and, and, and I got my eyes on the Raiders. That's the team I got my eye on is a potential trade back target. They're picking at 38 and okay. they've got 12 picks. All right. Including like seven 38, 70, 100, 109, and a bunch more. They've met with all these quarterbacks, all five of them. And of course they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, but very modest commitment, right? This wasn't a long-term mm-hmm. deal. I think the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's told us that he's not a long-term answer for anybody at quarterback. Right. But he could be right. a bridge. He can get you by a little bit and obviously familiar familiarity with McDaniels that'll go a long way. But I think if one of those quarterbacks is available, that's the team that I look at as kind of moving back in, you, you can move back to 38. You probably pick up maybe 70 and one Oh nine, something like that. And that's what it really makes sense to me. So, um, the, the, the challenge with this whole trade back idea is someone's going to have to want to move up, right? And for all the reasons the Bills want to move back, it's kind of hard to, to mm-hmm. put yourself in that spot to say, well, who's somebody coming up for, right? Quarterbacks are typically what it is, um, and so hopefully other teams have a little bit different board. Maybe there's some value that falls and the Bills can find a partner if they don't want to stick and pick.
2: Well, let me ask you this, because I've been over the last couple of months now, um, since the end of the season, I've kind of taken a a look back over the last couple of seasons. So Mm -hmm. I I will look at the draft classes from maybe the last three seasons. And I know it's easy to look back hindsight and say, oh, we didn't quite hit, you know, on certain picks. But I think um, the fan base as a whole, I'll speak for myself. I gave Brandon Bean a whole lot of credit for – some things that he did right but also things that I don't think necessarily went right for Buffalo. So for instance, I'll give a couple examples here. So the last couple of seasons, I would say that, you know, we hit on a couple guys but we haven't necessarily hit on a first round second round type picks. We haven't hit on anything that's been like, okay, this guy for sure is a stud that's going to be on the Bills roster for years to come and he's making a dip, you know, like for instance, Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds were drafted in the same year. They both were starters. They both were playmakers. They both, you know, I don't, at least from my perspective, I don't feel that we've drafted a guy that's worthy of the same type of conversation. Um, Group has, he's hes growing, and I think that he's showing some flashes. But, you know, you look at the A.J. Epinesa pick, the Boogie Basham pick, and, and others similar. I just don't think that um, we can afford to miss on a draft class the way, and maybe miss is a, is a harsh way to say it because i don't think we've completely just dropped it but i don't think we've had a strong draft class and i think this time around it's very important for us to have a strong one when you look at the last couple years um what do you what are your um assessment of it in comparison to what you think we need to do this year
3: well first of all i I think we have to acknowledge that drafting is very inconsistent there's nobody Mm -hmm. out there the best gms in the world have inconsistency with the draft. It's just how it is. I mean, look, two great examples right now are two of the up-and-coming teams in the league, Philadelphia Eagles, Howie Roseman. Five years ago, I was on podcasts saying Howie can't draft. <laughs> and I wasn't wrong, but yeah. that changes, right? And he's even had attrition in his front office with losing Andrew Barry and losing Joe Douglas, among other people. Look at John Schneider with the, with the Seattle Seahawks. The draft classes, I, what was it, like 11 and 12, 13, right in there. They got all those mm-hmm. dudes, right? Wagner, Sherman, Chancellor, Russ Wilson, all these guys. And then for like seven years, the drafts were horrible. They were fireable offenses. And then last year, they have a foundational class. They get two starting tackles, Ken Walker, Tariq Wallen. You're like, okay, they're good. And so I think mm-hmm. there's just, if you draft long enough, you're going to have hits and misses, and there's inconsistency along the way. It's hard to be good all the time at drafting. But at the same time, I will extend some criticism towards Brandon Bean right now because I think one thing that's very clear when you look at the top of the AFC, and that is the Chiefs, it's the Bengals, and it's the Bills, and unfortunately it's in that order. And the reason it's in that order is because the Chiefs and Bengals have done a better job of finding meaningful hits in the draft at a clip unlike the Bills. The Chiefs are out there getting Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. Huge picks. Nick Bolton. Right. Those are day two. That's a Trey Smith, a six rounder, being able to hit on those types of guys. Those are core foundational members of their team. You look at the the Bengals and for them to be able to come away with with what T Higgins has become for them or uh, even. I mean, I could go on for days about uh, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, mm-hmm. Jesse Bates, uh, Cam Taylor, Br- britt this past year, being able to step in and, and, and solidify one of those corner spots. The Bills just haven't had those types of picks. They've had good picks. They've had some nice role players, but none of those guys that have come in and really provided that impact player on a rookie deal. Right. And I think they just, they just have to find a couple of classes where they get two or three of those and they can kind of make up that gap. But I think the gap that is exists right now between the chiefs and Bengals is because they've done a better job in the draft than the bills. I, I Am I wrong in in my assessment of like
2: I just feel like we don't even so we will draft guys that I do think have talent and I think can fit. For instance, uh, Khalil Shakir last year, yeah, I think he's I think he can be a, a really good player for the Bills or whatever franchise, right? But um, the opportunities just didn't present themselves seemingly, and I don't know if that's because of Isaiah McKenzie being on the roster. I don't know if that's because we brought back Cole Beasley or but for whatever reason. Um, we didn't give him that opportunity. You look at Kyrie Elam. Uh, we drafted him first round pick and Trey White was out half the season, uh, still recovering from his ACL tear. We had games that we didn't use him. Um, is it is it more of a philosophy thing that is just like you know we would rather just wait to use our rookies and we want to develop more or um because i just i guess i don't understand why we draft these guys with the type of talent we draft them with and we refuse to put them in game situations
3: the bill's appetite for playing rookies has evolved throughout the build right i mean you go back early 17 18 19 those guys were playing all the time right they were they were they were immediate starters and to an extent that's happened, like Greg Rousseau, I mean, he was day one starter for this team. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that there has been a downtick in the rookie snaps, right? That That's that's absolutely happened. And I think part of that makes sense because the Bills are at a different point in their life cycle, right? Players are becoming more established. There's less clear paths for guys to get on the field. And, and I mean, you've even heard Josh Allen himself say, well, you're a dumb rookie until you're not, right? I mean, uh, you heard – I don't know if it was Bean or McDermott today when they were talking about drafting players that, Hey, you don't necessarily have to come in right away. There's not going to be those snaps right away. he talked about this, right. He talked about Harrison Phillips, like didn't have other guys on the roster. These guys had to play. And so I right. do think that there is a, a preferred situation where the meaningful snaps are played by more experienced players. Um, and, and maybe it's more about these rookies coming in and really forcing the issue. Right. I mean, you know, performing at a level that forces the Bills to say, yeah, we, you've got to be on the field over insert player Dane Jackson or what AJ Klein or Tyrell Dotson or whatever guys are going to be kind of replaceable starters that may be able to be pushed by a rookie. So um, I think part of it is the philosophy type stuff that, that does exist, but also, um, you know, I think they got to get some better rookies in the building to really force the issue. Okay, so well, sticking on the the
2: conversation of rookies and the draft and all that stuff, um, I've been I've been team like heavy pounding the table, heavy team draft O-lineman or draft Mm -hmm. wide receiver. Um, I think by most standards, Bills fans, we would say that those are our needs right now. So I guess that's kind of where I am as far as that. But I mean, I'm sure it depending on who you talk to. Brandon Bean mentions defensive tackle. He mentions some other things. I think um, depth and, and safety position is important that we should probably look at as well. Um, but from your analysis of the team right now and what you think, what, what is the greatest need and what area do you think? Because again, draft best player available, but if it's going to be a need, if the right player is there, um, you know we didn't replace Tremaine. So what, what to you is the biggest need that this team currently has?
3: The biggest hole is middle linebacker. I, I don't think that's debatable. Is it the biggest need? Maybe not. Um, I find myself very concerned about middle linebacker. I'm very concerned about defensive tackle. I'm very concerned about defensive end. I'd like to see more in the wide receiver core. Um, at the same time, I don't necessarily feel the same like huge urgency there. Uh, I think you can – you can find meaningful weapons. And I think, I mean, I'm excited about Khalil Shakir. I think Khalil Shakir was a day two caliber draft pick last year that, and I mean, I did the wide receiver primer this week on locked on bills. And I mean, Khalil Shakir would be probably my wide receiver like seven or eight in this class that I would be happy with picking in the third round. And so that guy exists and he's got a year of experience under his belt. And while he didn't catch a lot of passes, he was on the field a decent amount and Mm -hmm. in the playoffs, he was, getting some run, right? I mean, he caught some passes. I think he got like six or seven passes in the two playoff games, 10 in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love to see that ramp up. I mean, Deontay Hardy, Trent Shurfield, Diggs, Davis. I mean, I don't, I don't feel quite as the urgency there as maybe some other people do. And predictively with the offensive line, I don't know if the Bills are looking at their offensive line and saying like there's starting roles available. Like, like it or not, I think that they have their five and they're all signed for the next two seasons if you look at it in terms of Dawkins, Brown, Morris, McGovern, and Bates. I mean, those guys are all kind of locked in. Um, and so I, I don't – I'm not i am not of the belief that the Bills are really in the market for an early pick with the offensive line and that they're a little bit more content with what they have than I think maybe people want them to be. Um, me personally, I feel like the offensive line, um, obviously
2: it- – we could always have played better. You know, it's not, they weren't perfect by any means, but I'm not as low on Spencer Brown and, you know, others as most people are. I think, I think it was clear that Spencer's Brown, his back was clearly affecting him. Um, So I I, I think a healthy season of Spencer Brown uh, would be just with Josh Allen order. You know, like I I just personally, I don't think it'd be, um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal um, to go one more season with Spencer Brown, but So you mentioned the biggest hole, obviously, being middle linebacker. Um, Also, the the questions that I sent you earlier, one that I wanted to touch on really quickly, because I kind of threw Tremaine in that question. Aside from losing Tremaine, I also still think we can give Brandon Bean some good credit, because I do think every year he's proven to, even if he doesn't make a splash move in free agency, he still goes into the draft with little to no holes on Mm -hmm. the roster yeah so again we couldn't replace Tremaine I get that right but I feel like we've kind of gotten slightly better at each position that we've either lost somebody or whatever was an issue at all last year so for instance I think I think Harris I don't think he's a better back than Singletary but I think he gives the team an aspect or a certain a certain type of running style that we didn't have so I think the running back room as a whole Kind of took a step forward if you look at it that way, and I think we can say the same for all the other positions. Um, What do you? How do you feel about it? Do you feel that that we've kind of improved from where we were? Like, without the draft, I get it, but like at the end of the season, the roster that we had, then you take this roster, you look at it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that we've improved, or, or um, other than middle linebacker, how do you feel we are with that?
3: Yeah, middle linebacker, they're not better. Obviously, that's that's true. I would say tight end, they're not better. Um, I mean, losing Tommy Sweeney, adding nothing right to this point, Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely not better. And not, I mean, we're talking about tight end three, right? I mean, that's not a huge deal. I don't know that Kyle Allen's a better backup quarterback than case Keenum. I'm not sure that really matters though. Um, but I think you can fairly say that every other position group I can honestly say is at least the same, if not better with an asterisk by edge, you know, like who knows when Von's going to be ready to go. He certainly feels like he's going to be ready to go real quick. Um, but I mean, you're looking at a, at a situation where it's Rousseau and Lawson probably is your starters. It, just like it was at the end of last year with AJ Epinesa as a third guy, Boogie playing about 20%. Um, and so until Vaughn gets back, I think that's going to be kind of just a very average situation. But yeah, I think it's fair to say that tight end to QB to middle linebacker or probably the spots where I was like, yeah, I don't think they're better, but everywhere else I think they are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and to your point about Von, So everybody's obviously talking about it right now because of the presser today and because of the clips that have come out. So Von Miller actually participated in um, some of the workouts and we saw some clips of that. I, I, for one, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any communication with the team doctor, but I just find it difficult to believe that he's going to be ready for the start of the season. But that's, it seems to be like an expectation, uh, yeah. that's floating out there um what are your thoughts on that because I, I, I feel like i would be a whole lot more comfortable if they were talking about like end of october for fun um but i don't know if he if he's just that much of a superhuman freak of nature then maybe but i i, I just don't know if the start of the season is where i'm looking for
3: him. yeah i'd agree with you i mean it's a 9 to twelve twelve 12 month recovery i mean von Miller's a special athlete but i mean the rules still apply to him, right? It's it's mm-hmm. you're still looking at nine months. He hurt the thing on Thanksgiving. Saw the same thing happen to Trey White, and he wasn't back till the next Thanksgiving, right? Um, and you know, Von's 34, right? I mean, I'm older than 34. My body don't heal like it used to, <laughs> all right. So uh it, I, I know Von's doing everything that he can to get back and he has a lot of confidence, and I think that's a big part of it. And I think it's good that he's been through some injuries in the past and come out of them, and so I think he'll be positioned well to um, get back as soon as possible, but I am not expecting Von Miller to play in week one. I think that you're probably looking at a pup situation Mm -hmm. and what is that? Four weeks or six weeks? I can't remember. I get it all confused all the time. I believe it's six. Is it six? And so I think I think that's probably the world that we're living in. And I said the same thing about Trey white last year. And I feel like people laugh me out of the building. I said, look, I think he comes back after the, I said the green Bay game after the bye. what was that week eight, seven, something like that. Mm-hmm. And people are like, no, no, no. Trey white will be ready sooner. Nope. It wasn't until Thanksgiving. The bills aren't rushing anyone back. All right. That's one thing that we know about the bills and injuries. Nobody's rushed back. Von Miller's no exception. Nine to 12 months and that just because then even on top of it even it, again trey white
2: you come back from an injury like that you're still not the same so no. there's no point in rushing somebody back to you know so I, i'm i'm the type of play, or person where i feel like hey if, if these guys are out like that let them come back when they're ready there's no need to rush i know the division got better i know the conference is better I, like i get it we're in the gauntlet of of quarterbacks and all that stuff but I want Vine around come to playoffs because last year when we needed him in the playoffs, we didn't yeah. have. him. Yeah. So, so, all right. Well, um, McDermott, McDermott is going to be the primary play caller this year for, for the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I don't know if we'll ever really find out what happened with, with Frazier taking a step away, but that's, that's, you know, we don't need to know, but um, it doesn't sound like the team, the players, does it sound like Brandon Bean is too worried about Sean McDermott uh, taking over the play calling duties. What do you expect to see um, as a difference on defense now that McDermott is the play caller as opposed to Frazier?
3: First of all, I'd like to acknowledge it felt like everyone was really excited about this today. I mean, even McDermott himself, when he was talking about it with the media, there was Mm -hmm. an energy about him. He seemed pretty pumped up about it. And I think Brandon Bean's been excited about it for a while. I mean, he has often referenced he's like i saw him as a defensive coordinator in carolina like i that's a good thing right i felt like he's got some energy Mm -hmm. for it i don't really have any concerns about him being able to do it i mean this became an nfl head coach because of how good he was as a defensive coordinator your questions more along the lines of like does the defense look different well i think the defense is going to look different because tremaine edmonds isn't in the middle of the field so regardless (laughs) of who's calling the defense you can't play the defense the same way when you don't have 6'5", 250 pounds, 34-plus-inch arms with that type of range in the middle of the field. It, it's just you can't play defense the same way. And so that, I think, is a bigger issue in terms of stylistically what the defense will look like. I'll be interested in, in seeing what they do in the draft because I think that will give us some clues as to what they want to be defensively. Um, but I mean, the addition of Taylor Rapp it, it, it piques my curiosity to see if they're going to become a little bit more diverse with personnel groupings, right? It, that's been the Bills' defense. The back seven has been literally the same players for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of turnover at cornerback too. But bottom line being is that they don't change personnel. There's there's nothing different. It's the the back seven is the back seven. They rotate the front, obviously. But um, it's, it's that back seven shell that we've, we're used to seeing. And so will they tap into some scheme diversity with personnel groupings, right? And, and I think they have a worthy player in Taylor Rapp to try to get on the field. Um, they could have uh, potentially a liability at middle linebacker that they want to mask, right? And that could lead to a lot of different personnel groupings and strategies, especially on long and late downs. So the defense is going to look different. It is.
2: Yeah. See, to me, and and that was where the question was leading for me too. Um, I just don't, and I've been hearing this as well, so I know it's not just a, a me thought. I feel that you know when you lose a player on defense like a Tremaine Edmonds, um, that's difficult to replace so fast. Like you, you're not gonna. I mean, yeah, you might drive. Say, say we draft. Um, everybody wants. There's a couple guys out there right now, but say we draft one of the top two linebackers. Mm-hmm. You still won't get the same production. And I feel like maybe you never know. But I feel like when you lose a player of that caliber um, and that important on your defense, you're, you're talking about a philosophy change, um, at, at least to me. I, I, I yeah. just couldn't imagine them trying to run out the same exact defense that they use every year while Tremaine was doing all the things that you just mentioned. And I think Tremaine was undervalued, not by the team, but you know by the fan base. I think sometimes we don't recognize everything that he was doing. And uh, but but you're right. I think McDermott did, did seem to have a little pep in the step when when this part of the conversation came up. And I'm personally looking forward to it because I, I do think that at least from what we've seen when he was a play caller, the defense was aggressive as opposed to not that we weren't aggressive. But I don't think we were as aggressive as some of the other better defenses that you look at in the league. Um, I, I think we kind of we're aggressive in our spots, but I think McDermott is the type of person where he's just aggressive, at least from what I remember. Um, do you, do you see that or did you see that in the past as well from McDermott?
3: Yeah. And listen, I think whenever we talk defense and being aggressive, I think there's a misconception that just means he blitzes a lot, right? There's ways to be right. aggressive on defense. It doesn't mean you just blitz all the time. It's being tighter with your coverage shells. It's being willing to play up in the face on of guys in the line of scrimmage and create jams and, and create more, uh, timing disruption. It's being willing to, uh, have some muddy fronts and and really put a bunch of bodies in the line of scrimmage and drop some and send some, right. It's, it's disguising where the car, the the pressure is going to come from a little bit more creatively and, and keenly understanding your opponents and their protection schemes and how they like to slide protections and what you can do to make them wrong. Right. That's the type of stuff that I think Sean can really bring here. And I, I have a lot of respect for Leslie Frazier and the in the run that he had in Buffalo, but I'm also somebody who kind of believed that he ran his course to an extent um, because of just those playoff losses, right? I, I put a lot of that on the defense and, and a lot of it um, stylistically how they chose to play the game. And so I'm hopeful that um, McDermott can learn from some of that and tap into some of his aggressive tendency that really comes from his knowledge of the game, his knowledge of opponents, tendencies, and really, really forcing offenses to play differently. I think that was one of my biggest frustrations with uh, the Bills' defense. It's been very, very good, is it? I don't feel like they did enough to take away certain things and make offenses play the game differently. I think they wanted to do that. I don't know that it was very effective. And so taking away that primary thing and forcing offenses to play differently, right? They say, if you're right handed, make them play left handed. I want to see more of that. And I think Sean's history. Uh, at least in Carolina, that's what we can go back to, uh, gives us some hope that that will be the case.
2: All right. I'm looking forward to it. Before we move on to some of the, um, the good, fun stuff that's happening around the league as well, I got a quick message from my man, Buffalo Freddie. Okay, here's the deal. I know as Bills fans, we wait all year for the fall and the winter so we can go to the Bills games. I get it. Trust me, I do. But let me tell you why this time of the year is elite. It's party time. And we're going to party for so many reasons, whether it's a graduation party, a birthday party, family reunion, or just because it's Saturday and the weather's perfect. Here's the thing. My guy Buffalo Freddy has everything you need to make your party the best party of the year. We have everything from chairs and tables to premium tents, water slides, wet and dry bounce houses and so much more. And that's not all. The best barbecue catering in Western New York has you covered, whether it's a small party or a corporate gathering. Buffalo Freddy Barbecue Catering makes everything easy for you. Rentals and bookings available now at www.buffalofreddy.com or you can call 716-4FREDDY. That's 716-437-3339. Remember, for all your party rental needs, just call 4FREDDY. All right, so don't jump through too many tables, especially if you got dance tables. but so <laughs> a, around the league, so um i'll I'll keep it to start off. I'll still keep it centered, really centric on Buffalo. Um, the conversation around DeAndre Hopkins kind of faded away a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, now, I live in Phoenix. There was absolutely some chatter, I can promise you. And I know you would, you know as well. There was absolutely some chatter. I don't know if it's just that the Bills inquired and then people got excited. I don't know if it's that there was a backup. I don't know. But I'm telling you, um, everybody that I've become business friends with out here, uh, there was a lot of chatter a couple weeks back when all that stuff happened. Then it died down really quickly. And um, he was interviewed, Hopkins was interviewed, and he mentioned that or he gave body language to say that the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills would be two teams that he would be interested in going to. And now it seems like, at least from the fan perspective of things, chatter is back. Um, realistically, I don't know if we can obviously fit his contract and make that thing work, but realistically, um, how, how much of this is just noise before the draft or how much of this should Bill fans really be
3: paying attention to? Well, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to play for the Arizona Cardinals next year. And, dude, I know you live in live in Phoenix and and all that, but that's 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 a bad football team. That that's a it's bottom a- three roster in the NFL, right? And and Horrible. it's a tough. It's it's a it's got to be a tough. It's got to be a very tough stretch to be a Cardinals fan, but especially next year where your starting quarterback, I mean, he tore his ACL what later in the season. He's mm-hmm. who knows when he's going to be available. I mean, you got a new GM, and that's probably for the good, but there's a roster reset that's part of that. Uh, you got a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon that I think was an underwhelming hire, to say the least. And I think the coaching staff that he's assembled is concerning to me. It's very inexperienced. Um, and that roster, just what are the building blocks? I mean, really, what are the building blocks on that roster? They, they're tough to find. Um, they're in trouble. And, and DeAndre Hopkins at 30 years old is not going to help that football team. And so the way that he can help the football team is through two different things. One being a trade where they would get something for him or also releasing him and getting some cap savings so they can move their team forward. Uh, So I don't think he's playing in Arizona. And so whether it's a trade, whether he's cut and signed somewhere else, um, I think that'll happen. I think he's going to be on the move. And we see this all the time where there's a name that's floated out there a few weeks before the draft or a month or so before the draft and, you get excited about some of the possibilities and then nothing really happens. But then on draft day, it happens. And so I, I, I don't know, maybe by the end of next week, Hopkins is on a different team. Um, But I I think the big holdup is obviously Arizona wants to get as much as they possibly can in a trade. And the Mm -hmm. rest of the league's like, we're not going to pay you that. Like Brandon cooks, just went for a five and a six. We know you have no intention of keeping him. You're not getting a two. And so as soon as Arizona comes to grips with that, I think you'll see some movement and and potentially er, as early as the end of next week. Now I've been debating with a lot
2: of people about this because some people think that he's not as um, efficient of a player or not as good of a player as he was. I do think he, obviously the older you get, you, you know, you lose a step here or there, but I'm going to tell you from what I see up close and personal, when I go to these Cardinals games, it's not Hopkins. That's the problem. Um, do you do you still view Hopkins as a maybe obviously not a top three wide receiver because you have certain guys that are doing it just on different levels right now? But um, how do you view him as far as his production and what he could bring to a team like Buffalo?
3: Yeah, I watched three games of his last year uh, whenever this conversation really ramped up, so that I could speak to the skill set and what he showed on tape. And um, I know the production hasn't been there the last two years. Whether that was because of the suspension and then he had a the. the It was an MCL injury uh, two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, that caused him to to miss some time. Uh, So the production hasn't been there like it was for the the previous seven or eight years. Uh, But the skill set looks good to me. Um, And and it's a skill set that I think ages well. He's never been a guy that's been reliant on athleticism, right? He's always Mm -hmm. been a little bit lacking in terms of the explosiveness. He wins because of route running, right? I think he's very good at finding leverage, maintaining leverage and being available. I think he's got maybe the best hands in the league, certainly like top two, top three, ball skills, body control. Those are things that, those are the reasons why he's been an elite receiver in the NFL. And I think that will age well. And I don't think he's going to play like five more seasons at a high level, but can he give you two or three? Yeah, I think he can. And as we potentially think about him being with the bills, I really like the skill set because of, I think it's very different than anything they have. I think it's everything that you have in Gabe Davis vertically, but also with the better better route running to the short to intermediate areas of the field and more consistent hands. Um, and so I think Hopkins may have to embrace more slot reps, but I think he can still be a very meaningful, productive receiver in the NFL for the next two to four seasons.
2: I think, I I think even if we were to, again, I'm always hoping that the bills can pull some stuff through, but I mean, I think if the bills were to get somebody like him, I wouldn't even mind seeing Diggs in the slot a little bit more. Uh, I I mean, both of them have are are great at route running. And like you mentioned, I think Hopkins, I agree with you. I think he has the best hands in the league and I don't, um, I don't think he's going to lose that title just because he's getting older. I think the guy is phenomenal and, you know, he was making catches out here that, I just, I couldn't imagine many guys making just to get, pick up five yards. He was making insane catches mm-hmm. just to do that. So, um, I think seeing somebody like that, man, I would love that because I think it would open up Davis to be a little bit more. Um, I just think it would open his game up more. And I think Davis, the production that most bills fans who complain about him, um, mm-hmm. the things that we want to see out of Davis, I think it, w- it he would be able to do that if we had another person like a Hopkins, uh, to, to pair with Diggs. Um, and, I've been critical of Davis. I'll I'll admit it to you. I've been critical because I've, and maybe not because of Davis himself, maybe it's because of the pressure that I think the team put on him coming into last season and the way we spoke about him, about how, you know, he's not wide receiver two, he's wide receiver one B and all that type of stuff. Mm. Um, Are are you on the, what side of the argument are you on? Do you, I, I think Davis is good. I'm not, by any means saying, hey, let's move on from him and then bring in Hopkins. I'm saying with Davis, I would like another guy like a Hopkins or like a, but I also get that that can be greedy and we're not playing mad in real life. So, uh, but what side of the coin are you on when when it comes to that discussion?
3: I like Gabe Davis to an extent. Um, I think that Gabe Davis has a very useful skill set. However, I think the areas of his skill set that are lacking contribute greatly to, I think, a lot of the frustrations that we had with the Bills offensively last year with the absence of a true Cole Beasley type player. I think Cole Beasley's route running to the middle of the field, his ability to uncover quickly, provide that timing element to the passing offense, that not being there with more volume going towards Gabriel Davis led to a lot of inefficiency. And I think we're asking the wrong questions and we're bringing up the wrong talking points when it comes to Gabe Davis, whether it's wide receiver two production, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. That's good wide receiver two production. I don't have that's I'm unconcerned with production. We're talking about um, the expectations. I'm not concerned about expectations and meeting expectations. I'm concerned that I don't think Gabriel Davis is a very dynamic route runner. I don't think he's somebody that's going to uncover quickly. And so he's a guy that wins with size and ball skills down the field. That's where he wins. And so the limitations that he has with route running with yards after catch, I think limits the offense because you're going to, you're funneling a hundred plus targets to this guy and he only wins in a certain way. And I think that limits your scheme. Now I give Gabe Davis a lot of credit. I did a deep dive on him in the last two weeks and Josh Allen said this today. They ask him to do a lot of ridiculous stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. he, he he is playing attached to formations in the run game as a play side blocker, and he has to create displacement. It's insane to ask him to do that. And he did run a lot of the vertical clear out routes. And, you know, that's probably pretty tough to do that all the time. But at the same time, I don't think that giving him more opportunities in the short to intermediate areas is the answer because I don't think he uncovers quickly. I don't think he's a dynamic enough route runner to do that. And so I think he's a very useful player that I can appreciate, but I can also simultaneously say, you know what, this limited skill set limits the offense. And so no wonder they're chucking the ball down the field with ridiculous frequency later in the season, because they never found that true guy that they can trust with route running to the middle of the field and, and to keep the offense on schedule with timing. And so I think you can get a lot of production out of Gabe Davis, but I think it has to come in a certain way. And because you're funneling 100-plus targets to him right now, it limits your scheme.
2: See, I, and to me, that's the biggest problem with what the offense looked like last season to me. Not that we were giving targets to him the wrong way or not. because, For instance, Isaiah McKenzie, to me, was being used improperly. You know, like I feel like um the offense, yeah, we were the number two offense in the league and blah blah blah. But and you just mentioned stuff about Gabe. But I feel like if we would have used certain guys the way that their skill set really presents a problem for other teams, I think we would have been a a far better offense. Um, and I I know every year it seems like we complain about screens and we complain about Uh, gadget plays that we don't do or whatever you know like there's always something to critique and something that we're not happy with but I I just truly believe the way Gabe Davis the role that he was in the year prior to this one Mm -hmm. I think that that role fit him I think the way that we saw Isaiah McKenzie be used in screen game or or jet sweeps and stuff like that I think that was a role that really fit and, and benefited him being on our offense this past year it almost just felt like okay We know what to do with digs. Then the rest of the guys, okay, guys, get in where you fit in. We're going, we're going to sling it to you and you got to catch it. And it just, it to me, it just wasn't the same type of now first year play caller. I get that, but I don't know. I just feel like we aren't using the guys to their best of abilities.
3: I I don't disagree with you. Um, And maybe Jamison Crowder's injury was, a bigger deal than we thought in terms of what he brought to the offense and how that changed roles for other players. And now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. McKinsey's like a legitimate has to be your slot player. And, you know, maybe you were going to play Crowder a little bit more on the perimeter and maybe Jake Cromerow was going to do some of that and he wasn't available. And so now Gabe has to do more of that type of stuff. And like by necessity, guys had to go into some different roles. Um, But I I see a comment here uh, from John that nobody complained about Gabe when we had Emmanuel Sanders. I think that's a great point. That speaks to exactly what I'm talking about. Emmanuel Sanders is a route runner. And because he's a route runner to complement Diggs, you can use Davis in those ways where he's really effective. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for. you got to have that type of guy to really get the most out of Gabe Davis. But that's where I get uncomfortable. I don't want that. I don't want my wide receiver, too, to have to be dependent on all these other things being true for them to get the most production. And so that's where I get hung up on Gabe. To me, he's he's just not a player that I'm thinking about targeting 100 times. But But right now, that's the role that
2: he's in. Well, but then you have guys like Beasley and Josh and. um Diggs, you know, like you have the and I get at their teammates, so they in a way you would think they have to co-sign this guy, but they come out and they're like, No, this guy is, you know, Diggs caught him a his he said he's still in his wide receiver run. Uh Beasley said yeah. that, you know, he's not gonna get any worse, he's only gonna get better, and you can, shouldn't talk bad about him because um the reason why his drop rate was up was because of the type of catches they were asking him to make. And you know, so it's like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation to defend him. Yeah. Um, but there doesn't really seem to be solutions. And I think one of the things like you just mentioned in, in John's comment about Emmanuel Sanders and, and having him in the right role. So maybe I think I've just been saying it incorrectly because I've been saying I think Gabe Davis would probably be the league's best wide receiver three. Maybe putting numbers on it isn't the right way to go about it. But to me, right. if there if I have a, a digs and a hopkins or you know we mentioned sanders here or or whoever that could like you mentioned route running or kind of do some of the same things that Diggs can kind of do and then you let davis be that three i think davis would be the by far the best third wide receiver in the league and i don't think it would be
3: close of course with the understanding that you have another do everything player opposite of Diggs. so yeah i yeah, I, I would agree with you. It's not about wide receiver one, two, three, and four. It's about how they're used and how they're used and in, in what skill sets they don't have. And, and I think legitimately, I think Jamie, uh, Jake Kummerow and Jamison Crowder, their injuries really kind of messed things up. I'd even say O.J. Howard not panning out. I think that messed up some of the vision for the offense, right? I think they wanted to have more 12 personnel. Well, O.J. Howard didn't prove worthy to be a guy to – Put on the field a lot. Right. They didn't even make it's the crazy. team. Right. So, like, yeah. I, I think some of those miscalculations, I, I don't know if I call them miscalculations. This didn't. You had a couple of injuries. The tight end, 2 didn't really work out. I think because of that, you're, you're kind of having to, with a first year offensive coordinator, figure it out a little bit differently than you anticipated. And I think that presents some challenges at times. Ooh
2: i mean i think i think you're right especially about crowder i think as a from as a fan base i don't think we appreciated that signing as much as the team probably wanted to you know because the first couple of games he made some plays for josh you know he made some third down conversions and he was there similarly not cole he's not cole but similarly to to how cole kind of bailed us out in some some key moments there so I, i do think losing him Changed a lot, and and as much as everybody loves Isaiah McKenzie, and as much as his um, personality is infectious and is amazing, the the fact is he just didn't perform, which is the reason why he never truly won a, a role like that, in my opinion. You know, he didn't win a starting receiver position because he just hasn't proven himself to be that guy for. Us. So, um, no, I agree with you 100 about about the injuries, um, and then because then but that's the part that kills me about not using Khalil Shakir and not just that position, but I mean, you know, we kind of did the yo-yo thing with the, you know, going back and forth between the practice squad and the active squad with um, Isaiah Hodgins before he was ultimately picked up by uh, the giants. We just had, we just had this issue that I feel like at receiver, we just, I, I don't know. It could have been the injuries. It makes sense. It, it could have been the injuries, but I just feel like the the product that we put out it just didn't pan out to being, I guess, what we expected or what we were almost promised
3: in the offseason. You mentioned Khalil Shakir. You know what's really surprising to me about just a very quiet rookie season is that the Pittsburgh game happened, right? Like, mm-hmm. those were some great plays. And I'm, I'm trying to look it up as quickly as I can when the Bills played Pittsburgh. Um,
2: I think it was like week five.
3: It was Right, like that was two. pretty early in the season. Yeah, yeah. and And – Like, he made some crazy good plays, and he was really good in the preseason, and then all of a sudden, as the season matures and moves on, he's just – he catches 10 passes for the year. And so I, I, I would agree with you. I think in a lot of ways, Shakir could have helped with some of the frustrations that we're talking about right now. Well, I hope I hope whatever happens
2: during the draft and whatever happens for the rest of the offseason that we kind of shore up the wide receiver position before we get out of here. I I dropped in the comments for some people to ask you some questions. I don't see too many. So I will throw the one out here that um, I I know it's not more a question. It's more so they just want you to to be on their side. My man Daryl here says before you go, can you sell folks on the idea of Jack Campbell a little more? Mm. I'm higher on the idea of drafting him than a lot of people.
3: Yeah, I think in, in just about every imaginable way, Jack Campbell's a fit, um, whether it's going to Iowa and, and being a high-impact player, right, a two-time defensive MVP, a consensus All-American. Defensively, Iowa's been really, really good for the last two seasons, um, and you heard Sean McDermott today talking about how important the communication piece and the leadership piece is for the Mike Linebacker role, and he he's done that. At Iowa, at a high level defense, a very disciplined, good defense. Um, so, obviously, very accomplished on the field. I mean, he's got great size. He's got great athleticism. He's uh, He won all the coaches' appreciation awards from Iowa, stand out in the classroom. Um, working out with Luke Keekley right now, I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, right? I'm sure that there's been some nice intel through that. Uh, Sean McDermott kind of wink winked at that when he was asked about it today during his press conference. But I just think from every aspect of the player in terms of leadership, intangibles, size, athleticism, production, it's all there. And there's some belief that he's a reach at 27. I don't think so at all. I, I was Kyle Krabs, who I've been doing this work with uh, since 2013, he, he did Jack Campbell evaluation yesterday he goes joe he goes he ain't getting to miami at 51 he goes, he said he said he said he said jack campbell's probably gonna be like a top 25 player on my board i mean i i don't i don't know why he's not universally loved as a prospect i just maybe that's just how scouting football players goes everyone has different opinions and comes away with different things but i think the package is is just really really on point for what the bills like and need and want
2: I think for me, and I'll be honest about it for me, I'm not as um, so obviously I think we we share a similar love and passion for the game and everything. But I get a little more of my feelings about stuff. So when the Bills lost Tremaine, I was just like, you know what? I don't want my heart broken by a linebacker ever again. <laughs> no, I'm, But I, I just didn't want to have the conversation anymore. It's just like, you know, OK, so what you think it's just that simple to do? Drafted a replacement or what So I got upset about it. We got another question from my man, Sam here. He says, this is a make or break. We kind of touched on this a bit, but he said this is a make or break season for Spencer Brown. What is a fair way to judge how he plays? What should we look for this season?
3: Consistency is what we're looking for. We know physically Spencer Brown has everything you could want in an offensive tackle. And he's had a really challenging last three years where in 2020, the guy's football season was canceled right? He only played two years of football at Northern Iowa, played tight end in high school. And so he goes and is winds up being a starter in week four as a rookie for the bills at right tackle. And he did so after not playing football the year before. Um, and then he has injuries as a rookie and and has a back surgery in that off season. And he never really had an offseason because he was rehabbing from a back surgery the entire time going into his second season. I mean, he wasn't ready to go until just before that Rams kickoff game. And I know I can tell you with confidence that he was concerned about being able to absorb power and you know, how that back was going to hold up and it took him some time and and he never really got himself ready to play his second season. And so obviously I am concerned about the way that he's played. He has to be a better football player, but there's plenty of reason to believe that with his physical talent in terms of size and athleticism, the experience that he does have and now that he's fully healthy entering this season that Spencer's prepared to be the best version of himself. Now, I, I mean, he needs competition. I don't think he's handed that right tackle job, but I think he's the leading mm-hmm. leading candidate. And I think the Bills want him to be the right tackle. Okay.
2: Yeah. I, I think they love him. You know, and I think I, I agree with you. If he if he pans out, I mean, this is perfect for them. They want him to pan out.
3: They yeah. want him to need be that him guy to. There. That's what we're talking about, right? With it earlier, when getting into the Chiefs mm-hmm. and, and the Bengals, they've had those types of guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have one more uh, before we get out of here from my man, Chris Janky, the real Chris Janky. He has a draft crush on Mozzie Smith and wants to yeah, know, me too. Um, you know, how he might
3: fit on this Bills team if they draft him. Man, Mozzie Smith can fit on any defense. This dude's a monster. <laughs> I love Mozzie Smith, like 330 <laughs> pounds. I mean, just an insane freak of nature in terms of athleticism and size. He's a wrecker, man. Um, I think he could play the one. I think he could play the three. Um He's going to own his space in the middle against the run and really overpower people. He's got unbelievable power in his hands and a firm anchor. But he's explosive. And I know that you're not going to get excited about the sack production that he had at Michigan. I don't care about it. It's about skill set. It's about tools. It's about developing them. And I think he's got everything necessary to be like a, a DJ reader type impact defensive lineman at the next level. Would absolutely love him in the first round.
2: I would love the, the, I just I just want us to get an impact guy. So, like, I don't care if the, so. If that's that linebacker, fine. If it's that defensive tackle, fine. Like, I don't. At this point, this is the first year I'm going into the draft, and I'm like, you know what? I really don't care who we take in the first round. Get a good player. I just want to get a yeah. good. I I just need a good player that um, you know, we we have on a lower contract for a few years, but he's making some some just making some noise. Like we, we need that. I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like we really, really need that. So uh, Pod Father man, I appreciate you taking the time out to do this with me. Uh, Buffalo rumblings, you know, we love you. You know, we always love you. So um, if you want to let everybody know what you got going on or got coming up, to, they can be on the lookout for.
3: Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'll uh, love here for the Buffalo rumblings. Got a lot of uh, friends on the network and have been on a number of these shows. So it's good to be on this one. Uh, if you want to keep up with the work, you can follow me on Twitter at the Joe Marino Daily Podcast on the Bills, Locked On Bills. Also, Daily Podcast on Team Building Across the NFL, Locked On NFL Scouting, and that's what we got going on.
2: All right, well, you know how we do it over here with Buffalo Rumblings Podcast and Vidcast Network. It's your boy Jay Spencer King. Y'all love each other, take care of each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive. Test negative. Go Bills.
1: Code of conduct. <laughs>